And for those of you visiting this morning are kind of like, that's weird, cheering the kids on. Shouldn't we cheer our kids on? Shouldn't we cheer them into the depths of the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Amen. They're not going up there to play. Amen. There will be some play. There will be some fun. There will be some laughs and some giggles. But they're going up there to receive Jesus Christ. Amen. That he has ministered to them and that he finds the rightful place in their life. Amen. That he created them to be. Amen. So we should cheer that on with everything we got. Amen. More, more so than anything else, we should cheer that on. Because one day, they'll be standing up here singing. One day, they'll be standing behind pulpits like this. One day, they'll be running sound and, and video and all those things, and they'll be taking up offerings, and they'll be the ones responsible for the continuance of this church. Amen. And so we need to cheer them now. Amen. So they find that acceptable place in the Lord. Amen. Are you happy you're here this morning? You excited to be here this morning? Are you looking for Jesus to do something real and alive in your life today? Amen. If you're not, you've come to the wrong place. Amen. Because we believe he's moving. Amen. You've heard me say it many times. John said it many times. He's moving. It's up to us whether we want to move with him. Amen. And, and so we're thankful for that. Thankful for a God that is real and a God that is alive and a God that is working in our lives. Thankful for all of you and thankful for our, uh, our visitors this morning. They're not visitors, visitors, because they've been here a time or two. Uh, but we're thankful that they're back with us um, this morning. I'm not going to embarrass them, call them out, point them out, make them stand up, do anything crazy like that. By the way, would you all sit? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, we're thankful you guys are, are back with us this morning. And pray you feel the peace and the joy of the Lord uh, in this place. Uh, I was talking with someone this week, and um, uh, they, they had watched the service online, and they'd never been here. And so they said, well, what's, what's the makeup of your church? And I said, well, we're kind of that church that goes from Pentecostal to Methodist and, and everything in between. And, and they looked at me, and they're like, how does that work? And I said, it works because the agenda, this is going to be fun, because the agenda is Jesus. Are you with me? All right, now that I'm not picking up my glasses, let's, go, let's, let's, let's deliver that line again. Amen? The agenda is Jesus. The agenda isn't denomination. The agenda isn't this person or that person. The agenda is not performance. Amen? You can ask these guys. I have stood in their meetings, and I have said, the minute you start performing, I will ask you to sit down. You're coming to lead worship. Amen. You're to lead us in a place that brings and draws the presence of God into this place so that it might touch and that it might move in people's lives. That is why we're here. Amen. I am here to preach a gospel that was ministered years before I was ever put on this earth. A gospel that has everything to do with a virgin-born Savior. Amen. A, a Savior that died on a cross. Amen. And a Savior that rose from the tomb. Amen. I am called to preach that gospel. I am not called to fancy up anything else in this world to sell tickets. But I am called to minister to you according to the love and the goodness and the purity of who Jesus Christ is. Amen. And that's what we do. That's what we do. That's why we're here. Amen. And because of that, it works. Amen. And if you don't think that's a glimpse of what heaven's going to be like, 
Amen. You're pursuing the wrong place. Amen. Because if you think you're pursuing a place that is all about you and all about what you want and all about what works for you, you're sadly mistaken. Because heaven is a place that brings us all together in the name and in the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we're not going to be there to celebrate me. Y'all ought to amen that. Amen. And we're not going to be there to celebrate you. We're going to be there to celebrate him. Amen. A light so bright. Amen. That we need no sun. A light so bright that we're not flipping switches. Amen. But the glory of a Savior that is higher and greater than anything to do with anything that we've said and anything that we've done. And this is a place that we all come together, felled and feeble, but willing to lift our hands with our best effort of making Him, making Him the main thing. Amen. This morning, He is the main thing. And let us be focused on the reality of who He is and what He is. We're preaching. We're preaching a series uh, out of Revelations. The title from it comes from chap- chapter 1 in Revelation. And what we have to understand is that this, this book is given to us, this understanding is given to us so that we might step into all that God has for us, right? And, and most of the times when you're preaching in Revelation and you're teaching in Revelation, and, and there, there's a big difference between teaching Revelation and preaching Revelation. Amen? Understand that. But, but when you're in that and, and people hear the word revelation, immediately everyone's like, <gasps> right? And, and it's kind of scary. There's some scary stuff in this book. There's some stuff that all of us are kind of like, I've been doing this for 30 plus years and there's still some stuff in it that I'm kind of like, I'm just going to trust God to work that out because it's a little freaky, right? Right? Anybody else? Just me? No, some head shaking? Okay. So, so the reality for us is this. Why did God give us this inspiration? Why did God, when he, was, when he was breathing breath into the life of Scripture, why did God say it is important that I allow John to be put in, in solitude on an island, and why is it important for me to give him this revelation of Jesus Christ and this revelation of the things to come? Why does that matter? And he gives us that answer real quick. He gives us that answer in the first chapter. In the first chapter, in the first few scriptures. Starting at verse 1, we'll just start verse 1 of chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and he sent and signified by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and all that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and he that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. For the time is at hand. Verse 4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Peace. Grace and peace. That's the purpose of 
of this vision. That's the purpose uh, of this revelation. In, in the beginning of chapter 4, it, it is God saying to us, I am going to tell you these things so that you understand that I am the author of them. And by being the author of them, if you are found where I am, you should have grace and you should have peace. It is a call to us, verse 3, it is a call to us that the time is at hand. What does that mean? It means quit playing games. Amen? It, qu- it means quit, quit playing the gray area of, of being a Christian. But it is a call to us to step into all that God is and be all that God is and allow His righteousness to permeate our desires. Amen? Because if we're not careful, the flesh will dominate our desires. Amen? Because the flesh seeks to please itself, right? The flesh will dominate our desires. We will want the comfort of this life. We will want the, the, the pocketbook that we don't surrender, as TJ was sharing with us. And I thought, you know, he's right on with the message this morning because we don't coordinate those things, right? I know there's a lot of churches that the pastor, you know, says, you've got to talk about this and you've got to sing this. And nope, we don't coordinate nothing. We just let the Holy Spirit do it. Amen? Because he's, he's better at it than me. Huh? He's better at it than me. Amen. And, and as TJ was talking, I thought, man, he's, he's just right on. He should go ahead and preach the message. When, when We're going to get to the church of Smyrna here in just a minute. But, but the reality for us is God is saying to me and God is saying to you, this is all about grace and peace. I'm giving you warning, and I am giving you truth, and I am giving you something to look at and something to measure up to that says where you're falling short and where you need to come to so that I can be your grace and I can be your peace in all that is to come. Amen? And and so when we look around us, if we're looking at at all of the things of the world, and if we're looking at all the doom and the gloom, and if we're we're paying attention to all of this stuff, it is really easy for us to get lost in it. Amen? And if there has ever been a time in my lifetime over the last two plus years that we can get lost in doom and gloom, it's been this period. It's been this time. Amen? Amen? But, but why do we not get lost in it and why do we not lose ourselves in it? It is because of this, a revelation that Jesus is on the throne. He is at the right hand of God. He is everything that he said he would be. He is the ordained Alpha and Omega, the Lord and Lord and the King of Kings. He has not surrendered a title. He has not said to this president or that, whoa, you know it a whole lot better than me. I'll just back off. No, he is still in charge. And he is still ordained to be my grace. Oh, you didn't hear me. He is still ordained to be my grace. He is still ordained to be the propitiation of my sins. He is still ordained to be the one that sets me straight and puts me in a holy place because of him and his work on the cross of Calvary. No one can take that from me. No one is bold enough. No one is strong enough. No one is holy enough to take away what God is giving me. Amen. And so because of that, I have grace. And because he is Lord, and because he is king, there is no force, no power, nothing of this life, no principality, no wickedness that shall ever overtake me. None. None. 
And I should live in peace because of that. I should live in peace because of that. When things don't measure up in this life, when, when, when ends don't meet in this life, when fear and anxiety, amen, wants to minister their work over my life, amen, I should have peace. Not because of who I am, but because of who my Jesus is. Amen. And so this, is, this, this revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ. It is a revelation that says to me and says to you, grace and peace are yours. Amen? What more, what more could we want in the face of our enemy? What more could we want in a world gone astray? Amen? What more? Could, and, I, and I could sit here and talk about the world. Amen? But I, I just really don't want to give the devil any credit. Because he's working really hard right now. Amen? He's working really hard to make us look really stupid right now with all the, the craziness about this and that and the other. And amen? And again, I'm not going to give him glory. I'm not even going to meddle into it. Amen? But he's working really hard to make us look stupid when all we need, all we need is the absolute of Jesus Christ. The Lord and Lord and King of Kings. And peace and grace are ours. To walk this life triumphantly. To walk in this life with victory. Amen. To live this life knowing that my Redeemer lives. And because my Redeemer lives, I live too. And knowing that He won't leave me nor forsake me. Even in a death. In the midst of my tribulation, he has not left me, but instead has resurrected me into himself. Amen? How much more peace could we have than knowing that? Amen? Paul said it this way, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen? What does that mean? He said it means to live is to be sassy about who Jesus is. Amen? For those of you not with us all the time, you know I like to get sassy. Amen. There are things about God and the power and the glory of his presence. Amen. That I believe we need to get a little sassy about. Amen. I had someone tell me one time, GB said, I don't know that that's really biblical. I said, you go talk to Elijah because he was quite sassy on that mountaintop. Amen. You go talk to him when he's telling him, maybe you need to yell a little louder. Amen. You can't tell me that's not sassy now. Come on. Right. Elijah clapping his hand saying, go on, put on a show, because I'm going to snap my fingers and this is going to burn up, because I know who God is. I know him. I walk with him and I live with him. Last week we talked to you, we talked to you about the church at Ephesus, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, Th this, this series is a lot, and, and we, could really, we could really do a series on each of these churches Amen. We really could. So to squeeze them into one week each uh, is a little challenging for this guy who could literally stand up here and go two hours, right? And some of y'all saying, Jesus, please don't let him do that. I need grace and peace through this, right? But, but we, could, we could literally spend s uh, several weeks on, on each of the churches, amen? 
And, and maybe we'll come back and we'll spend more time later. But last week we talked about the church at Ephesus. And, and there's a lot about Ephesus that was going on. And we need to remember that, that Ephesus was set up by really staunch Jews. And really staunch Jews. And they, they, they ministered a lot of, uh, of Judaism into uh, their practices and into the things that were going on. And so, uh, and so they grew up in that church. That church evolved to be very rigid and to be very set in their ways on certain things. And God commended some of that, right? Jesus, when he appeared and addressed the churches, he commended some of that. He was like, man, you guys know your scripture. Man, you guys know your scripture, and you know, you know the rules, and you've, you've got every jot and tittle dotted and crossed, right? You've got it all covered, and I commend that. Amen? So what is that? He's calling us to that. He's calling us to know this word and let this word be alive in our life and let this word be alive in our churches. But then he goes on, and I'm just, I'm just summarizing last week for you. I'm not repreaching it. He, he takes us to the place at the end where he says, but I got something against you. Somewhere along the way, you quit loving me. Somewhere along the way, you got so caught up in the jots and the tittles that you forgot about me. You became, you became in love with, with the rigidness, and you, you become in love. You fell in love with the order, and you fell in love with the rules, and you fell in love with all of these things, and, and you forgot me. And so now you're raising your kids in that same rule and in that same order, and, and they're growing up to be in love with that rather than in love with me. And, and I got a problem with that. And he says to them, he, he says to them, you're fallen. Man, I, I would hate to think I spent a lifetime exercising order in the church with no, with no power and no glory of the love of Jesus Christ in my life just for him to look at me in that day and say, I never knew you. But that's, that's what he's saying here. He's saying to me that if you're, if you're not in love with me, then you have no part with me. And, and so what, is, what does that love look like? Well, that love looks like a, a woman who busts in in the middle of the board meeting. And instead of jot and tittling their way through, it falls at his feet. And wash, well, falls at his feet and washes them with her tears and with her hair. That looks like Mary and Martha, Martha encumbered about all of the stuff. Amen. And Mary finding the good thing. Amen. And sitting at the feet of Jesus, hearing everything that he has to say and worship him. Him. Amen. And when we learn and when we understand that when we love Jesus to the point of tears and we love Jesus to the point uh, of self-sacrifice and we love Jesus uh, to the point of putting him above everything in our life and we love him more than anything this world can, can give or provide, then we begin to understand the full intent and the full power of his glory. Amen? And we see Jesus recognizes it. Jesus recognizes it. What does he, what does he say when, when she comes in and washes his feet? He's like, this is better than all of that. Right? 
this is better than all of that. What does he say to Martha when Martha whines about, I've done this, 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 and Mary just sits there. Amen. What does he say to her? He's like, man, you're, you're encumbered about with the meaningless stuff. That stuff doesn't matter to me near as much as this matters to me. Because I want you to love me. I want you to be consumed with me. I want you to seek me, and I want you to pursue me. <coughs> what does he promise us? If we ask, it'll be, if we seek, it'll, will what? Find, amen. If we knock, what? It's going to be open. Amen. What is that? That is an invitation for us to put everything else aside and to pursue him. Pursue him. Seek him in everything. Seek him in all things. Find his love for us in everything. Because here's the reality. Amen. If we're not passionately and deeply in love with him hang on all right because this is going to sting right if we're not deeply and passionately in love with him we will not love our brother as ourself you can't because it's not in you it's not in you to do so if jesus christ is not your all in all then how in the world are you going to love your neighbor and this world as you should? And what did Jesus say? Jesus says, I will know them by their love of the brother. I will know you by how much you love each other. I will, the, the converse of that is true because I will also know you by your lack of love for each other. Amen. Told you it was going to sting. Amen. But it's Bible. It's not, not Jay. I'm not making this stuff up. Amen. It's Bible. I will know you by your love of the brother and how much you put your brother ahead of yourself and how much you put your brother ahead of, uh, ahead of the world and above all of these other things. Amen. And so we are called to this level of love. We are called to this self-sacrificing, God-glorifying depth of love. It should control how we talk. It should control the things we do and where we go. Amen. It should control how we say this and how we say that. It should control everything about us. It should, everything in our existence should be driven by a glorified love for one another. Amen. If not, we're fallen. Not my words, Jesus' words. Amen, I got proof. You want to see it? Come, come on up, you do. Because I got proof. It's his words. It's his words. It's in red in your book. If you don't love on this level, man, you're fallen. And so, so when he addressed, we're, we're still summarizing last week, so y'all bear down. Amen. So he looked at Ephesus and he says, man, you've done all of these great things, but you lost your first love. And that's more important than everything else you've done. Amen. Many will stand in front of him one day and said, Lord, have I not prophesied in your name? Have I not healed? Have I not done this? Have I not taught Sunday school for 300,000 years? Amen. And he will say, depart. Why? Because you never loved me. You never loved me. Amen. 
And the scary part about this is, if we don't get this right, then we're raising generations in this mindset. We are raising generations in this mindset. And there are generations already in our churches today that are nailing the dot and tittles. But they don't even have a clue how to begin loving Jesus. And that should scare us to death. That's why we clap for these kids. That's why we put our all in all behind them. That's why it's probably the growingest part of this church. Amen. Because we recognize the importance of them knowing the love of God in their life and for their life and for those that they'll touch in this world. Amen. We must be lovers of God. Amen. And, and that starts with worship. It's a call to our worship. It, it's a call to, to us not looking at ourselves, but looking at him and realizing how holy and how worthy he is. Amen. So now we'll, we'll take a look at Smyrna today. In Revelations chapter 2, Verse 7, at the end of, of the church of Ephesus, he says this, and then takes us into Smyrna. Starting at verse 7, he says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And, and it seems like we, we keep going back to this in the messages here, and it was not designed that way. And Well, it was designed that way, but it wasn't how I designed it. But we, we keep going to this idea that if you look at the Garden of Eden and you parallel it to heaven, they're synonymous. If you look at the makeup given to us in Revelations uh, of what heaven looks like, and then you take the makeup of the Garden of Eden and what it looks like with the tree of life and the rivers flowing out of it, and everything that those rivers touch flourishing in this life and in this world, we see that God had ordained from the beginning for us to reside with Him in heaven, to reside with Him in a paradise, in a place that is likened unto where He lives. And so he says to us again, I will give you eat of the tree of life. What does that mean? That means everything that flows out of me, I will let that flow into you. Everything that I am, you can be in me. Amen? Not in you. Not in you. That's why we don't, that's why we don't pursue performance. That's why we, we don't pursue look and fashion. Amen? That's why, we, that's why we just wear clothes. Amen? Because my salvation, isn't, my salvation isn't made up in what I'd wear and not made up in what I, what I dress like. Amen? Someone said one time, said, and, and what, what, what do we wear to your church? What, what's the dress code of your church? Not you all, someone else. And, and they, they asked me one time, and I said, just wear clothes. And I said, no, seriously, you're going to have anything from shorts and a T-shirt to, to, you know, a suit and tie in, in our congregation most of the time. And, and they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And they just kind of looked at me. And I was like, and that's okay. And that's okay. Amen. Let us not be, let us not be so Ephesus-like, amen, that we forget that Jesus walked and stood over top of a naked woman in the street and turned her accusers away and then picked her up and dusted her off and told her and said, go sin no more. Amen. And if we begin to think of ourselves of being something higher than that, we're missing the whole point. We're missing the whole point. Amen? I don't care what you wear. I care, I, I care how you're clothed with Christ. Amen? 
I care how you're clothed with his glory. I care, I care how you're clothed with his goodness. I care how you're clothed with his power and with his glory. Working and moving in your life and bringing those lost and headed for a devil's hell into his presence. That's what I care about. That's what I care about. That's what I'll clap hands and that's what I'll cheer on. Amen? Because that is what we're called to. That is what we're called to. The persecuted church, the church of Smyrna, verse 8, and unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works. He knows, he knows our works. Amen? Which means, and, and another place in the scripture tells us that, that he knows the good and the evil that we impart. Right? Anybody else read that and, or hear that and you're just kind of like, eek, right? So when we say he knows our works, it's just not just talking about the good stuff. He knows the bad stuff too. He knows our works. And tribulation and poverty. But thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which shall thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. So we've got a whole lot to break down. And you're saying, man, you spent so much time summarizing. Are we going to spend all the time we need to on this? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, y'all know me by now, right? We're, we're going to dig in. So starts out, these things saith the first and the last, which was dead and alive. This is Jesus speaking to the church at Smyrna. This is Jesus saying, I have seen you, and I know you, and I hear you, and I'm responding to you. The same way, as, same way I responded to Ephesus, I, I'm going to respond to you, but I'm going to respond to you based on your works. I'm going to respond to you based on your deeds. I'm going to respond to you based on how you have handled me and what you have done with me. Amen? It's important that we know that Jesus is our Savior. He was alive, he was dead, and he's alive again. Scripture tells us that he was tempted just like we are. His flesh craved fleshly things the same as ours does. And yet he overcame. Amen? So when he promises peace... And when he promises grace, he's saying, I understand where you've been. I understand the roads you're walking. I understand what you're going through. And I will minister grace and peace unto you. Right? I have often said that he cried out from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Because for the first time when sin was laid on him, he understood the guilt and the shame and the pain. That came from sin. I believe there was a, a cry out of agony from Jesus. That, that cried out to God and said, God, 
Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're, they're driven by, by these, these ungodly desires, and they're driven by this selfishness, and they're driven by, by this, this, this desire to please themselves. And, and because of that, this guilt and this shame is more than they can bear. So put it on me and forgive them. Amen? And so he died, carrying our guilt and carrying our shame and carrying the very things that created enmity between us and him. It'd be really easy for him to point at me and maybe to point at you and, and to say, you're not worth it. Amen? It'd be really easy for him to do that. Be very easy for him to look to God and say, God, they're not worth it. Just blow this place up and we'll start over. Amen. But instead, in the very moment when he understood what we dealt with and the, the guilt and the shame and the pain that we struggle through life with, he cried out and he begged God to forgive us. To forgive us. Let me be the price. Let me be the one that dies. Let me, let me be the propitiation of their sin. So it is he that speaks to us. It's he that says these things to us. And in verse 9, he says, I know thy works. I know what good you do. I know the time and the effort that you put in. Amen. Spurgeon says it like this. We should tirelessly, tirelessly pursue the righteous works of Jesus Christ. We should tirelessly pursue the righteous works of Jesus Christ. Amen? That, that, that really sums this up for us. Because when we, when we begin to look at works, we're kind of like, oh, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm okay to go back to the jot and tittle. Right? But, and, and I'm not saying the jot and tittle is wrong. I'm not saying that it's bad. Jesus commended that at the church of Ephesus. But what he is saying is don't lose me in the process. He's saying, don't lose your love for me in doing those things. Amen? So what we see here is Jesus is again commending the works. He is again saying, I see what you're doing in my name and I approve. I approve. And he goes on to say that, that they are, are suffering this tribulation and this poverty. And the church of Smyrna was not a rich church. The church of Smyrna did not have unending resources. Amen? Why? Because they lived in a place that was prospering, in a place that was putting all of their money towards all of these other things. There was, there was great sports competitions, and there was a great port that, that was there that allowed people to trade and, and to make all kinds of money, and people were consumed with those things, and the church lacked. And let us understand it, and TJ kind of started us down this road this morning, amen. Let us go back to Acts, and how was the, the early church taught to, to take care of themselves? They were taught to sell all that they had and combine it, bring it together, amen. What? So that they could share with each other? No, so they could build the church. So they could sustain life and sustain themselves while building the church, Amen? There was no focus on me and there was no focus on you. The focus was the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? 
And so we, we see here that Jesus is looking at their efforts and with what little they had. They didn't have this great, beautiful, glorified sanctuary, but they had a place that was rich in who Jesus was. A complete contrast of, of the church at Ephesus. The church of Ephesus had all of the things, but they didn't have Jesus. They had all of the things, but they did not have an undying love for the Savior. Smyrna did. And Jesus is recognizing that. And he's saying, you might not have what they have, and you might not have what they have. You might have drop claws on your walls, but what you have is me. And that's good enough. Amen? And that's good enough. Amen? And we need to grasp that and understand that because we're not always going to have drop claws on our walls. Oh, you are shocked. Amen? We're not always going to have a lack of parking. Praise God. How, who shouted for the parking lot this morning? Huh? When you pulled in this morning, who that out a wig? Whoop! Huh? Little by little, in God's times, we'll have what we're supposed to have. Amen? And in the meantime, we won't, we won't regret. We, we, won't, we won't defend. We won't, we won't uh, covet. Amen? We'll be happy with what we've got because we got Jesus. And that's what matters. That's what matters. Amen? And we will relish in that. We will relish in his presence, and we will relish in his glory, and we will make it what people say about us, is that we are alive and full of the presence of Jesus Christ. Amen? That makes us rich. That makes us rich. When you are in love with him and he is in love with you, that makes you rich. That gives you access to all of the splendor and all of the glory and all of the power of heaven. Amen? Because without that love and without that relationship, you don't have access to anything. Right? That's what, that's what we really need to understand about Ephesus. They had access to the rules, but nothing else. Amen? Because they didn't have that deep, woven love. Amen? I, I, I love to see Denise, man. She walks in the door crying, and she walks out the door crying. Why? Because she's in love with Jesus. And, and, if, you, and if you don't get that, Amen? Then, then you're missing out on the power that, that God brings and gives her in her life. Because trust me, if she ever prays over you, you're going to feel the presence of God. Amen? And it doesn't have anything to do with her. It has everything to do with her love of him and his love of her. Amen? And the power of God will manifest itself and glorify itself in that lifestyle. Amen? And we're all given access to it. We're all given hope and promise to it. And because of it, we're all promised grace and peace. Amen? But it's not all good news with Smyrna. Now, he doesn't call them fallen. And, and, he, doesn't, and he doesn't say, I have, I have something to warn you about like he did Ephesus. But he says, I know thy works and your tribulation and in your poverty. And he commends their tribulation. He commends their poverty. And he says, just like he said to Mary sitting at, at his feet that day instead of Martha who was encumbered about. He says, you're rich. Why? Because of me. 
because of your pursuit of me, you're rich. And then he says this, I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Now, there was a lot of there was a lot of things going on in Smyrna at the time. I told you about the port. I told you about uh, kind of the lifestyle and, and the pursuit of all of these things. Go. There was a large population of Jews in the place, right? And, and the Jews hated the Christians, right? Because the Christians were challenging the status quo, right? The, the, the Christians were challenging through, through that love and that power and that glory, that richness of everything we just talked about. They were challenging the Jews' stronghold, on, on the religious, religio, religiousness of the day. Amen? And, and they didn't like that. Amen? The same as, the same as denominational-minded people, when, when you start preaching denominational things and, and it kind of shows them that they're doing things the wrong way, they don't like that either. Right? And, and so we, we see a, a direct contrast to this, and we see that Jesus is addressing this, and, and Jesus says, Amen, I get it. You're, you're dealing with tribulation and you're dealing with issues and you're dealing with problems on this side because you're having to face the Jews. But in addition to the Jews, you've got these people who are calling themselves Jews but are not only because they're trying to tear you down. Amen? And, and I will say this. This country and the church is the most messed up thing I have seen in a long, long time. Amen? And we should find ourselves seeking Jesus and seeking who He is and seeking what He is wanting to do in us and through us rather than being pious individuals. I was hoping for at least one amen on that. Amen? But thank you, Carl. Because our churches are pious our churches are individualists, and we have confined ourselves to a four-wall mentality that had nothing to do with what the early church was set and bound to do. And we're failing because of it. We are failing the testimony of Jesus Christ because of it. We are called to His splendor and into His glory. And when we choose... When we choose to be something different, when we choose to tear down the strongholds of God in someone else or in something else or in what God is trying to accomplish here, 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 and here, and because it's not here, we get all whiny and jealousy about it and we try to strike it down. Guess what? Synagogue of Satan. I didn't say it. Don't look at me. Jesus said it. Right there. Jesus said it. But are the synagogue of Satan. I'm not dramatizing. I mean, I'm... I'm <laughs> that is not a good place to be. That is not a good place to be. And woe, woe be unto us if we, if we choose to take all that Jesus is, all of the grace and all of the peace 
and we try to exercise it like that. Because those are pretty serious words from the Lord and Lord, from the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Those are those are pretty, pretty detrimental titles from him who will choose if we enter in or don't. Amen. And so we are called to a place that 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 is is so wrapped in Jesus that we can't want anything but power and glory for his church, his great big church, his, his every denominational church that focuses on him and not denominations. Amen? And sometimes we just need to get over some things. Amen? Because if you look at the things that we're so wrapped up in, most of them aren't even in here. Amen? They're the traditions of men. Amen. Jesus addressed that in Matthew 16. You can go read it. Amen. And if and if that was going on then, there's a whole lot of people who've perfected it down through the years. Amen. And he calls it a synagogue of Satan. But man, why why would we rest in that? Why would why would we choose that? Why do we want to be that? I I can't imagine. I, I can't fathom it. I mean, I, I was you know, I, I was caught up in legalism at a time in my life, but there was love there. Amen. It might not have been fully wrapped into everything that it needed to be wrapped in. And, and I'm not saying that modernism is great either because modernism is, is inept as, as much of anything else. Amen. But what I'm saying to you is this. We've, we've lost sight of Jesus and we need to find that power and glory. We need to rest in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Because. Amen. Because, verse 10, fear none of those things. Everything I just told you, if we are wrapped up in love with him, he's telling us to fear not those things. Fear not the judgment of this world. Fear not these people. Fear not the things that they do or that we would suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He is telling you, you want to talk peace, and you want to talk grace? He's pouring it out right here. He is pouring it out to me and you right here, and he's saying, soak it up. He's saying, drink all of it. Amen. Just like, just like when we, we, we take communion here in a few weeks at, at Easter service. Amen. And, and he says, what does he say when he gives the cup? What does he say when he gives the cup of the new wrestling? This is my blood which was shed for you. Drink ye. Oh, I'm going to dance. Amen. Drink ye all of it. Amen. Drink all of it. Drink everything that I have poured out for you. Drink everything that I have put on the table spread before you. Drink all of the power. Drink all of the glory. Drink all of the, uh, of the love. Drink all of the goodness. Drink all that I am. And I will see you through the tribulation. I will see you through the prison. And even if they take this life, honey, what I got for you ain't even going to to what you've lost here in. Amen? I will give you a crown of life that no man can take from you. Amen? Rest in me. 
You want to talk about peace and grace? I'll show you what it looks like in this context. Amen. One of my favorite. Everything I share is usually one of my favorites in scripture because I like it all. But there's this moment where Paul and Silas are cast into the deepest of dungeons. You all know the story. Cast into the deepest of dungeons. And they're not sitting there planning their escape. They're not sitting there whining themselves to sleep. Oh, woe is me. Oh, let me make sure I post about this so everybody will feel sorry for me. Oh, oh, I I need prayer. Amen. You know, what were they what were they doing? What were they wrapped up in? What were they caught up in? Jesus. They were wrapped up in Jesus. Oh, hey, look, cool. Yeah, there's like some dead guy over there and there's some rats running around and man, it's kind of stinks where, you know, people have used the bathroom and and everything else, but you know what? Let's let's get on our knees. And, and lay down some Jesus loves me in this place. It, it sounds funny and it sounds dramatized. But, but that's what went down. Amen. Because I'm not going to let my present circumstances define how I love him. Amen. Yes, that's scripture. I'm not going to let what's happening to me today define how I love him. I'm not going to let what's going on in my life define how I love him. I am not going to let the things that hurt me and the things that use me and the things that throw what me up and throw me away. I am not going to let that define me because I'm his. I'm his. And I'm defined by him and nobody else. So in my trial and in my tribulation and in my prison cells, I will sing his glory. I will sing his praise. Amen. And he will give me peace. And he will give me grace. And he will give me grace. Amen. We know how that story ended, don't we? Amen. He shook the whole place. He shook the whole place, and he set them free, and they were still responsible. They were still responsible, amen? Most of us would have tucked tail and went and hid in the woods, amen? But being, being a, a tool of the Most High, they stopped, and they waited, and they embraced the jeller, and he and his whole family found Jesus. Amen? So when we sing His praise and when we worship Him and when we wrap our arms around His feet and we love Him with our tears, amen? He sees. He responds. And He changes lives because of it. Amen? And so, even though we find ourselves in tribulation, Even though we find ourselves in trial and even though we find ourselves persecuted, Jesus is saying, I will not leave you. So you have peace. I will not abandon you. So you have peace. I will not ignore you. So you have peace. Amen. I will find you and I will hold you and I will knock down the gates of hell so that you have. Peace. Amen. He that hath an ear, 
Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And he that overcometh, and he that overcometh shall not be hurt with a second death. Let's stand and pray.